0: It is good to be with you this morning. I have to mention that this is December the tenth, two thousand and seventeen, which is a very important day to me because December the tenth, nineteen thirty, my dad Wesley Lane was born eighty-seven years ago, and if that hadn't happened, literally, I would not be here today. So, um, I'm personally, I'm very happy about that. But happy birthday, Dad! Hope that it's a good day and that we, your children, treat you like you deserve to be treated not like we usually treat you <laughs> i hope you're looking forward to next sunday next sunday is our annual christmas party here at netherwood park you'll find the schedule on the back of your bulletin Four we'll have a short devotional in here then we'll go over to the gym and we'll enjoy a meal together and then the highlight of the evening as always is wonderful world famous entertainment here at netherwood park church of christ only one problem with that world-famous entertainment is I'm in charge of collecting the entertainers, and so far I haven't heard from very many people. And I'd really like to hear from some of you um, so that you can entertain us on next Sunday night. The option, if you don't volunteer, is I'm going to bring a karaoke machine and I'm going to do Neil Diamond's greatest hits. So <laughs> I would strongly encourage you to come up with something to entertain us next Sunday. So please let me know, call the church office or text me or email me or something like that to let me know that you will be participating and what you plan on doing next Sunday. So I hope that you'll be here, bring family, bring friends. We'll have a wonderful time together next Sunday evening. I want to give you a Project 9K update, our Bible reading challenge. To date we have read, drum roll please... 4,960 books of the Bible. So we're making good progress. We're obviously not going to reach our 9,000-book goal. Maybe I should have made it to Project 4.9K. and It would already be there, but I didn't do that. But you guys are doing a great job. We're continuing to make progress. And there are a number of people who have already read through the Bible at least once. Some have read through it two, three, and even a few have read through it four times during 2017, so good job, keep up the good work. The reason that we have this challenge is not because we like to track numbers, but because we want to encourage everyone to be reading in their Bibles. We are children of the Word, and as children of the Word, we should be immersed in the Word. We should be reading God's Word. We should be reading Jesus' words to us. We should be constantly immersed in that because the Word is powerful. It effectively translates. Translates into our lives. It transforms our lives. It makes us into the people that we should be. So please continue to read. And if you're not reading regularly now, make that one of your New Year's resolutions that in 2018, you'll make Bible reading and Bible study a regular part of your day. We are people who believe in the power of the word. We're also people who believe in the power of prayer. We are a praying church. We are always constantly praying for each other and praying for others and praying for things that are going on in the world. And we strongly encourage you to continue with that. And if there's something in your life that you would like for us to pray for, we would love to do that. We would like to honor your request. We send out every Sunday or Monday a list of prayer requests that we've gathered on Sundays. We send that out to about 400 different email addresses. There are people who are waiting to pray for you. So if you have something you would like for us to pray for, would you please fill out one of these green cards, fill out your prayer request, drop it in one of the collection boxes, and we will honor your request. You can find two collection boxes at the very back of the auditorium. You can find a third one through these double doors. We believe in the power of prayer. We also believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism that we join with Jesus Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. We believe that in baptism that we leave the old self behind, and it's a new self that comes up out of the water, prepared and equipped by the Holy Spirit to walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you haven't been baptized, we'd really love to have a conversation about that. If you'd fill out one of these green cards on the back, it says next steps. If you'd fill out your contact information, check the box that says you'd like to speak to an elder or minister about baptism. We'll contact you right away, and we'll have that conversation. So please take advantage of that. And finally, I want you to know that we believe in the power of the church. We believe in the power of the church universal and definitely in the power of the church local. We believe there is power in this congregation, this family of believers. We believe that we are called together by God because we can accomplish things together that we could never accomplish when we we're apart. We're able to encourage each other. We're able to teach each other. We're able to pray for each other. We're able to spur each other on. We're able to be the people that God has called us to be because we are, we are joined together with Jesus Christ as our head. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't let us know that you would like to be identified as a member of this church, of this congregation, we'd really love to talk to you about that as well. On that same green card, if you'd check the box that says, I'd like to talk to an elder or minister about being a member of Netherwood Park, drop that in the collection box. We'll contact you right away and we'll have that conversation so that we can identify you as a member of this church which is exactly what the Bates family did. We want to recognize them this morning. The Bates family has placed membership here at Netherwood Park. We'd like to recognize them, Randall, Lena, Coniger, and Pleman. Uh, if you guys would stand up, if you don't mind, so everybody can see who you are, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. We look forward to serving with you here at this place. Welcome to the family. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series of sermons from the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Today we'll be in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and this would be a great time to grab your Bible or your phone or your tablet and turn there, Romans chapter 5. As you probably noticed, today in our worship service we've been focusing on joy, joy. We've been focusing on gladness and thanksgiving. We've been thanking God for what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We've been rejoicing together because we have a God who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I want you to know we're not through rejoicing this morning. Because in Romans chapter 5, Paul is going to remind us, remind us, the redeemed children of God, that we have been given gifts beyond our imagination. We've been given gifts beyond our understanding. And Paul is going to remind us that those gifts should bring us lasting joy. Paul is going to remind us today that we, the justified servants of Jesus Christ, have been blessed with gifts that should lead to constant rejoicing. And Paul knows that for us to really find joy in what we have, we need to first understand what we were missing. To rejoice in where we are, we first need to realize where we were. To be able to celebrate who we are, we first need to acknowledge who we were. And that's why Paul has spent a lot of time and energy and effort in the first four chapters of this letter making sure that we all understand, that we all understand what we were missing and where we were and who we were before we were given the glorious gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what were we missing before Jesus found us? Well, we were missing peace and hope and righteousness we were missing forgiveness and justification and salvation and where were we before the gospel of jesus christ well we were lost we had fallen short we were on the outside we were on the wrong side and who were we before the gospel of jesus christ Well, we were enemies of God. That's what we were missing. That's where we were. And that's who we were. But because of God's gift of Jesus Christ, we aren't missing those things now. That's not where we are now. And that's not who we are now. Paul, this morning, is going to answer a really important question for us. He's going to answer this question. How do once hopelessly lost sinners who were enemies of God how do hopelessly lost sinners respond to God's amazing gift of righteousness and justification that's been freely given to us through Jesus Christ? How do we respond? And Paul's answer is really fairly simple. He says we respond with great joy. We respond to that gift with great joy. We rejoice. We respond with the exultant rejoicing of people who were once dead. But now we're alive. We have joyous news to shout about because we were once lost. But now we're found. With joy, we're able to boast about what has been done for us when we couldn't do it on our own. We're able to boast about the one who did it for us when there's no way we could do it for ourselves. We rejoice because we were once God's enemies and now we're God's friends You see, hopelessly lost sinners, sinners like us, who were once enemies of God, should have great joy. We should be rejoicing in the gift of the gospel. See, joy is what we should have. Rejoicing is where we should be. And joyful is who we should be. After all, We were lost, but now we're found. We were dead, but now we're alive. We were God's enemies, but now we are his friends. How could we not respond with great joy? Well, Paul knows something about us. He knows something about people. He knows something about humans. Paul knows that over time, as life happens, as trials come, as sorrow and suffering intrude, Paul knows that sometimes finding great joy is something that's really difficult to do. Paul knows that rejoicing is sometimes a difficult place to be. And Paul knows that joyful is not always who we are. So, my goal today, as we sing these songs and as we listen to this sermon, my goal is really a fairly modest one. I just want us to rediscover the joy in the gospel, I just want us to recapture our ability to rejoice in the gospel. I just want us all, every one of us, to leave here today filled with great joy because of what God has done for us, what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. I just want us to be like three-year-olds seeing all those presents on Christmas morning. I just want us to be like parents the first time they hold that precious baby in their arms. I just want us to be like the once terminal patients who just received a clean bill of health. I just want us to be like the people whose loved one was hopelessly lost but now has been miraculously found. I just want us to be filled with great joy because of what God has done for us and to help us find our way. And to help us rediscover our joy, and to help us recapture rejoicing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote these words, and he wrote them for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's a lot in those two verses. There's so much good news in those two verses. There are so many reasons for rejoicing So many reasons for us to find joy in our justification. Why should we rejoice? Why should the justified people of God rejoice? Well, Paul says first we should rejoice because we now have peace with God. Not the peace of God, but peace with God. See, we were once at war with God. We were once God's enemies, and I probably don't need to tell you that's not a good place to be, to be at war with the God of the universe, to be in opposition to the all-powerful king of the world, to be fighting a battle that we have no hope of winning. But now, now we have been justified. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, and because of that, we now have peace with god we're no longer at war with god we are friends with god and i probably don't need to tell you but that's the best place to be and that's something to shout about we're no longer at war with god and this isn't some uneasy truce or a temporary ceasefire See, not only did God end the war by sending his son, he moved us, his former enemies, all the way into his throne room. I love this image that Paul gives us. Paul says we are now standing in grace. That's a great place to stand, isn't it? Standing in grace. We aren't standing in sin on the battlefield any longer. Instead, we are standing in grace in God's throne room. God has given us complete access to his grace. We aren't on the outside. We aren't on the wrong side. We're by his side. We're his friends. And that should fill us with great joy. And not only are we standing in grace in the throne room, we're also looking forward to even better days to come. Paul says it this way. He says, we are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That word hope is kind of wimpy. Our English word hope really lets us down in our translations. See, Paul isn't talking about wishful thinking This isn't like a five-year-old who's wishfully hoping for a pony on Christmas morning. Paul isn't talking about the slim possibility of spending eternity in God's glory. No, wishful thinking and slim possibilities, those aren't things that we rejoice in. Paul's talking about a different kind of hope. Paul's talking about hope with confidence. He's talking about hope with certainty. Paul's saying, we rejoice in the confident anticipation. We rejoice in the certain expectation of spending eternity in the presence of God's full glory. And that's worth celebrating. We once fell short of the glory of God. We couldn't reach it. We couldn't grasp it. We couldn't even find it. But now... Now God has justified us and brought us into his presence where we are able to jubilantly boast about our God's glory. We have much to rejoice about. We rejoice because our God has set us free and there is great joy in God's freedom. Think about what God has done for us. And think about what God is doing for us. And think about what God is going to do for us in the future. Well, what has God done for us? Well, he set us free from our rebellious past. We have peace with God. And what's he doing for us now? Now? Well, because we have been set free, we're free to enjoy a personal relationship with the God of the universe. We're able to stand in grace in his throne room. We're able to be his friends. And what is God going to do for us? Well, our God is going to allow us to experience the full freedom The full freedom that comes from life lived in the awesome presence of God's glory for eternity. For eternity, our God is going to allow us to fully experience what we can only catch a glimpse of now. Our God. Our God has given us every reason to experience great joy in what he's done. And what he's doing now. And what he's going to do In the days to come. But what about those times? What about those times when there aren't any gifts on Christmas morning? What about those times when the parents lose their precious baby? Or the times when the clean bill of health never comes? Or when the lost loved one is never found? How are we supposed to rejoice then, Paul? How are we supposed to find joy in those kind of times? Is it even possible to find joy in suffering? And that's where Paul turns his attention next. He writes in verse three, he says, We also rejoice in our sufferings. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Paul says, We rejoice in our suffering. Now notice Paul isn't saying we rejoice because we are suffering, now we're not masochists. There's no joy to be found in our troubles. And Paul isn't saying that it's easy to rejoice in our suffering. In fact, Paul knows that it's not natural to rejoice in suffering. He knows that left on our own we can't even expect to locate joy when we are suffering. Now, that's something that requires help. It requires supernatural, Holy Spirit help. It requires the help of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to rejoice even when we are suffering. See, the point that Paul is making here is that God has made it possible for us to keep our joy even while we are suffering. Paul wants us to know that because, he, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by gifting us the Holy Spirit, our joy can remain. It can be held on to. It can be preserved even in our suffering. That's our supernatural help. Paul wants us to know that suffering doesn't have to rob us of the peace that we have with God. And he wants us to know that our suffering doesn't have to rob us of the grace in which we now stand. And it doesn't have to rob us of our confident hope in God's future glory. And it certainly doesn't have to rob us of the freedoms that God has given us. You see, suffering doesn't have to rob us of any of those things because none of those things, peace, grace, hope, freedom, none of those things are dependent on our physical circumstances. No, they're all dependent on God, and they're all dependent on what God has done and is doing and will do for the justified. We're able to hang on to our joy, even when we are suffering, because the source of our joy is God not our physical situation. See, our physical suffering doesn't signal the resumption of war with God. No, we are still standing in grace in God's throne room. And Paul says that if we'll widen our focus, we can even rejoice in what God is going to accomplish through our suffering. Paul says we can rejoice in the fact that God will use our suffering to accomplish good. And a lot of us have those stories, don't we? A lot of us know exactly what Paul is talking about. Many of us have experienced exactly what Paul describes. We've lived every link in that chain that Paul describes. We have lived through a season of suffering We've felt that constant pressure. We've been unsure if we could even endure, but with God's help, we were able. And enduring that suffering taught us perseverance. It made us stronger. It made us more stable. It gave us a better foundation. It helped focus us on what really matters and what really endures. And persevering through that helped us develop our character. It tested us. It refined us. And we emerged on the other end better equipped, more able to deal with life, more able to deal with its trials, and better to help help others through their seasons of suffering. And now we look back and we realize that we are standing in confident hope and strong assurance that the God who justified us, the God who poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, will not abandon us and will not abandon his promises to us in the midst of our suffering. And we may not be able to shout about it, But we can still find joy in knowing that our God will not abandon us and will continue to work for us even when we're suffering, even when we're experiencing sorrow. We're able to find joy in our suffering because our suffering does not rob us of our hope, our confident and assured hope. The hope that Paul says will not ever disappoint us. See, our hope won't disappoint us because our hope isn't in ourselves. And our hope isn't in our physical circumstances. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this in verse 6. He says, you see, at just the right time... When we were all powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have confident hope. We have assured hope. And the source of that hope is the source of our joy. Paul says, Our hope and our joy is in our hearts. We find confidence and assurance and joy in all situations because God has poured out His love for us into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We feel the Spirit's presence, we see the work of Him in our lives. And that gives us confidence that we are loved by our God. We know in our hearts we are loved by God. But we also know in our minds that we are loved by God. See, our hope and our joy isn't based just on subjective feelings. It's also based on objective evidence. At just the right moment. God demonstrated, God proved his love for us this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have confident and assured hope, and we rejoice because God proved he loved us. He proved he loved us through Jesus' death for us. And he did that for us while we were still his enemies. How can we not respond to that kind of love with great joy? Okay, maybe you're still not convinced. Maybe you're still not feeling like that joyous three-year-old on Christmas morning. Maybe you're still not feeling like those new parents holding their precious baby. Maybe you're still not ready to celebrate like that no longer terminal patient with a clean bill of health. Maybe you're still not ready to shout out in joy like the lost who have been found. So if you're struggling to find your joy because you are struggling, I want you to thoughtfully consider two questions with me, two questions that Paul raises in Romans chapter 5. Question number one. If Jesus died for us when we were God's enemies what will he do for us now that we are his friends? If Jesus died for you when you were God's enemy, what will he do for you now that you are his friend? Question number two. If God didn't give up on us when we were at war with him, what makes us think he would give up on us now that we are at peace with him? If God didn't give up on you when you were at war with him, what makes you think he would give up on you now that you are at peace with him? You see, if you're a Christian, you're God's friend. God has not given up on you. God loves you. You can know God loves you, even if your life circumstances are prompting you to wonder about His love. For you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for you. And God demonstrated His love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died died for you we know that god loves us and in that knowledge there is great joy let's pray father help us to find our joy and find our joy in you Father, help us rediscover all of the reasons why we should be rejoicing in what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be people who even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of trials and struggles and sorrow, are able to find our joy in you. Because, Father, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for us. At just the right time, Father, you demonstrated your love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, God. We rejoice in you. All glory to you and all glory to your name. It's the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, who did die for us, we pray. Amen. Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, and all the church says, amen. Let's end by standing and praising God and singing with great joy.